invite you to open your Bible tonight, first of all, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 36, and then to Psalm 76. Isaiah 36, and then Psalm 76. While you're doing that, just want to say hi to Dan and Kathy Caperia, and is it Maria? Yeah, excellent. It's so good to see you folks here with us again. Dan and Kathy have been missionaries in, uh, in Turkey for how many years now, Dan? 29. 29. Oh, okay. very good. Well, it's great to have you back with us, and uh, um, Look forward to catch up with you. Um, so we are in the um, Isaiah chapter 36 um, is the historical context out of which Psalm 76 uh, is written. And so we'll read that first, and then we will um, go to Psalm 76. And I've picked different, uh, we're, we won't read all of chapter 36 and 37, but portions of it so we can catch the story. So let's begin. Uh, Isaiah chapter 36, let's give our attention to God's word. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem with a great army. And he stood by the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And there came out to him Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, the secretary, and Joad, the son of Asheph, the recorder. And the Rabshakeh said to them, Say to, king, to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, On what do you rest this trust of yours? Do you think that mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out in a loud voice in the language of Judah, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city, will not be, this city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me and come out to me. Then each one of you will eat of his own vine and each one his own fig tree. And each one of you will drink the water of his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, lest Hezekiah mislead you by saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered his land out of the, land, out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpet? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who among all the gods of these lands have delivered their lands out of my hand? that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. 
And he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And then we read of God's deliverance. And the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people rose early in the morning, behold, there were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshiping in the house of Nishrach, his god, Adrimelech and Sherezer, his sons, struck him down with the sword. And after they escaped into the land of Ararat, Ershadon, his son, reigned in his place. And so that's the historical context of Psalm 76. Let's now turn uh, to that psalm together. Psalm 76. This is God's word. In Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. His abode has been established in Salem, his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the flashing arrows, the shield, the sword, and the weapons of war. Glorious are you, more majestic than the mountains full of prey. The stout-hearted were stripped of their spoil. They sank into sleep. All the men of war were unable to use their hands. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both rider and horse lay stunned. But you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when once your anger is roused? From the heavens you uttered judgment. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth. Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. The remnant of wrath you will put on like a belt. Make your vows to the Lord your God and perform them. Let all around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared, who cuts off the spirits of princes, who is to be feared by the kings of the earth. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Father, we live in a, in a world that constantly denies your existence and tries to warp our understanding of who you are, and so we thank you for your word that gives us, Lord, um, clear insight again as to your nature, your character, your power, your justice, your wrath, and your loving kindness and your salvation. I pray, Lord, that we would see you tonight, and, and seeing you, Lord, trust you and love you and worship you, and so we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I wonder what your response would be if you knew with absolute certainty that um, this coming Wednesday, Jesus was going to return and it was going to be Judgment Day. Uh, an angel had appeared to you. You didn't really know that kind of thing could happen, but there he was. And, um, and he told you without a shadow of a doubt that uh, this coming Wednesday at noon, uh, the skies are going to open and Jesus is going to descend and we are going to be at Judgment Day. What would your response be? Hopefully, it would be, thank you, Lord. <clears throat> we've been praying about this. Uh, we've been longing for this. Um, but I, I would think for all of us, there would also be some, um, some thoughtfulness, maybe some, maybe, maybe some fear. We maybe, would maybe think, am I ready? Am I ready to meet Jesus? Am I ready uh, for Judgment Day? Um, we would probably take stock of our own life, and, and, uh, and we would ask ourselves again what we believe and what we're relying on. What will we say when God says uh, to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What, what will your answer be? And I hope your answer will be, there's no reason at all except that I belong to Jesus and he has paid for all my sin. 
But the reality of judgment is exactly what Psalm 76 uh, brings to our mind. The reality that, uh, that the God who is, is a God who pronounces judgment and exercises and executes judgment. It's a, it's a very simple psalm, um, just with the most basic truths presented, and we'll be looking at these tonight, just the reality of God, first of all, the reality of His divine wrath, the reality of His judgment, and then the necessity to worship and fear Him. And so those will be our four points. The reality of God, verses 1 through 3, the reality of His wrath, verse 4 through 6, the reality of His judgment, 7 through 10, and then their proper response. We'll begin then, verses 1 through 3. The psalmist begins, in Judah, God is known. Uh, that's not just a claim about uh, Judah's religious insight. Uh, it's, it's more an exclusive claim concerning the nature of God himself, that uh, the God of Judah, the God that is worshipped there, uh, is the only God there is. God is known in Judah, the one God. Every other God is a fantasy crafted by human imagination. Uh, that would be an incredibly bold, countercultural, and offensive statement in the world of that day. Um, the universal assumption of mankind was that there were many gods, and gods of, sort of were national mascots. Every nation had their own god or gods. And so there would be the God of the Ammonites and the God of the Philistines and the Edomites and the Egyptians. And, and uh, that was just the given. That was understood to be the way things are in the spiritual realm. And notice that's precisely the assumption of Sennacherib, the king of the Assyrians. Uh, he taunts the people of Israel um, by suggesting that their God is just like all the other gods. What, what makes them think that their God is anything special? All the nations thought their God was special. And then they got destroyed by the king of uh, the armies of Sennacherib. And so, so Sennacherib says, don't let Hezekiah, your king here, uh, deceive you with this, this silly talk about the power of your God as though he's something special. Beware, lest Hezekiah deceive you by saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered his hand, his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpet and the gods of the Sepharvaim? Have they delivered Samaria? And the answer, of course, is, well, no, they haven't. They haven't at all. But Sennacherib's assumption, which would be the assumption of, of every reasonable person in the world, is all the nations have their gods. And Sennacherib's just pointing out the obvious. Uh, they've all been crushed. All these nations and their gods have been, have been crushed under his mighty army. So what makes Judah think that uh, it's going to be any different with them? And the answer, of course, is that Judah knows that their God is actually God. He's, he's not a national mascot. He's not their, their tribal deity. He, he's actually the God who made the heavens and the earth, the one and only true God. And, and, uh, and all the other gods of the nations are just figments of, of the imagination. Now, what gave Israel the audacity to make such a claim in uh, counter what everyone else in the world knew to be true? Uh, it's a very audacious and offensive claim. It still is today, of course. But in the world of that day, what, what, what gives the Israelites, what gives the people of Judah the audacity to stand and say, our God is actually the only God there is? Well, it comes because that's, how, that's what God told them. 
Isaiah 44, verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And the whole book of Isaiah, right, is, is uh, or often the prophets are pointing out this, the foolishness of all these gods made of, of wood and stone. You, you, you take a piece of wood and, and you cut it up and half it you make a, you lunch with and then the other half you carve an idol and you bow down to it. And just the absolute foolishness of it all. And, and so Israel says that they're, they're, in Judah God is known because God had revealed himself to Judah to be the one true God. Uh, the, the God of, of, of Israel dwells there, verse 2 of the, of the psalm. His abode has been established in Salem, his dwelling place in Zion. This idea that, that God is uniquely the God of Israel is a fact of redemptive history. Uh, in John 4, Jesus is meeting with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and, and uh, in the course of the conversation, she brings up this theological concern about, well, the Samaritans worship here and the, the Jews worship over there. And Jesus, what, what do you think about that? And, and Jesus says this to her, uh, we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Salvation is from the Jews. The, the, the God who is is the God who's revealed himself to Abraham and his descendants. He is the one and only true God. And so every other religion of the world is false, and every other God is a fantasy. Now, that's a profound offense in our day as well. We, we live in a culture that prides itself in its um, pl pluralism and its relativism, and you can believe whatever you want to believe, and every person's belief is just as valid as every other person's belief. And of course that's true if there is no God then we're just people sort of making it up as we go along. And what right would I have to say that, that my understanding is, is better than your understanding? But, but if there's a God who's actually spoken, which is exactly the truth, well, that changes, that changes everything. And, and that means that no matter who you are and no matter what religion you profess, no matter what God you worship, no matter what deity you pray to or, or deny, the fact is when you die, you will stand before the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Right? When you come to the throne of judgment, you will face the God of the Bible. We all will, regardless of, uh, of, of uh, our opinions about religious things. We're going to stand, every single person, before the God of Scripture. And we love people well when we have the courage to tell them that. When we have the courage to, to, to speak against the pluralism and the relativism of our age and say, well, actually, that's very interesting. It's just not true. It's not true. William Smith, a, a pastor in the PCA, who uh, had an excellent sermon on this, he says, it does no good to seek or know or worship a God who does not exist except in our imaginations. It is in our interest to know the reality about God, whatever it is. And Christianity proclaims to all men and women everywhere that the God who is, the God who actually exists, has made himself known in the Bible and in Jesus Christ. And the, and the beauty of it, of course, is we didn't make it up. God has, has given us His Word. God has spoken. And God invites us to open it and read, to find out who He is, and then to share that truth. And it, and it is that fact um, that the God of Israel has made Himself known, and, and He alone is truly God. Well, that gives us confidence in, in a world that opposes and oppresses. It, it did for Hezekiah. In, in, if you remember in Hezekiah's prayer, chapter 37, 
Notice again what he says. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You made heaven and earth. And so he prays to a the, the actual real God who reigns. Incline your ear, O Lord. Open your ears, O Lord. See and hear all the words of Snecrib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Um, now, Lord, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. Uh, God takes great delight in manifesting the reality of his godhood, uh, the reality that he is God, the one God, maker of heaven and earth, and the judge of all men. And God's people should take the same delight. There actually is one true God. I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves that. We get maybe impacted by the pluralistic culture we live in, and we think, well, that's, you know, that's our religion. That's, that's what we believe. But other people believe other things. Well, yes, they absolutely do. Uh, but but it, to be a Christian is to say, this is what I believe is because this is what God has revealed. And, and so this is the true religion. And every other religion is false. This is who God really is. And this God really does um, express and execute divine wrath. Verses 4 through 6, glorious are you, more majestic than the mountains full of prey. The stout-hearted were stripped of their spoil. They sank into sleep. All the men of war were unable uh, to use their hands. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both rider and horse lay stunned. Uh, commentators believe that's uh, the, the author here is reflecting precisely upon what we read about in Isaiah 36 and 7. Uh, the, the total devastation of the mightiest military power in the world of that day, where in one night the angel of the Lord struck down 185,000 people. We're not told how he did it. All we know is that when the, when the Israelites, when the people of Judah got up in the morning, there was this sea of dead bodies. And in one moment, you see, the, the folly of uh, Sennacherib is revealed. His his assumption about the nature of the spiritual world and, and the nature of the gods is, is exposed to be it, it just disastrously false. Uh, his challenge was, uh, what is it, what's the difference between your God and every other God? Well, Sennacherib, any more questions? Do you understand the difference now? Now, you, now that your armory has been completely eviscerated, completely annihilated in one night... Not by a greater human army, but simply by the hand of the Lord. Sennacherib, in a moment, realizes his folly. In a moment, re realizes the, the reality of God, Judah's God, as God. Uh, that's exactly what's going to happen on the last day. There, the world is full of people who mock God. Uh, full of people who arrogantly deny there is, there is such a thing as God. Um, who, who have all sorts of ideas about how the world maybe came to be and, and about what's right or wrong and, and, and confidently posit their ideas as, uh, as absolute truth. And one day, every single one of them is going to stand in front of the living God. And in, in, in a moment, realize the folly of their boasts, the folly of their religious opinions. When God had revealed himself manifestly in the things that he had made. When God had revealed himself manifestly in their own conscience. When many of them uh, had, had the opportunity to hear the word of truth. And yet rejected it all for their own imaginations. Well, the scripture reminds us that God is real and that God is a God who 
who is a God of holy wrath. He's a God who's committed to destroying everything that's evil. I mean, can you just imagine looking out over the field and seeing 185,000 dead men and, and, and the animals are dead? As, I mean, there had been just yesterday the, the greatest military power on the earth, um, and, and now they're all, they're all dead, 185,000. I mean, that's a stunning, stunning number. And you, you knew as you looked that this was an act of the angel of the Lord. This was God's response to Sennacherib's taunts and Sennacherib's threats against his people. What would your, what would your response be? I, 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 I think your response would be both trembling and exhilaration. Fear and awe. There would be, there would be a, a sense, who is the God who, who, who does such a thing, who's, whose wrath is so consuming and yet who's so gracious as to deliver his people? And that's exactly what happens in, in, in divine judgment. Notice the, the, the response of verse 7. You, you God, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when once your anger is roused? From the heavens you uttered judgment. The earth feared and was still when God arose to establish judgment and save all the humble of the earth. The question of the psalm is, is who can stand before this God? Who can stand on the day of judgment? Who, um, who can stand before God's all-knowing eye and, and His perfect law? There, there is a righteous trembling that God's people should experience when we, when we sense the truth, the reality about the living God. There's, there's a rightness to tremble before Him all the earth. Not in abject fear, not in the fear of condemnation, but, but in the sense that we're in the presence of something so vastly greater and beyond us and something, a God who is so infinitely righteous and just. And, and, and we sense that the reality of his righteousness and justice cannot stand, you see, in, our, our sin cannot stand in the presence of that. I, uh, I just, uh, yesterday, was trying to take care of some wasps and, and uh, a hornet's a built-in nest in the backyard. And I was trying to be nice. Uh, so I, I, I foolishly, I, I, I clipped the branch, dropped it in a, in a uh, garbage can, the whole nest, because I wanted to take it away someplace so they, you know, they could flourish. Not a great idea. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, spray them with the, with, the, with the wasp hornets. End of the day, that's what happened. Uh, we, we got the spray. And Have you ever seen what spray does to wasps? It doesn't just kill them. It completely melts them. It's, a, it's, it's, it's really a stunning thing. They're immediately dead, and in, in about two minutes, they look like pieces of wet, maybe cardboard. They're hardly identifiable. It just completely melts them away. That's what God's wrath does. It, is, it, it eviscerates things. Um, it it's, the, the, the devastation is complete. And, and not that we, not, I don't believe annihilation. Hell is real and people will experience the reality of hell. But his wrath is, it, it, doesn't, just, it doesn't just wound, it doesn't just, it doesn't just hurt, it, it destroys. No one can stand. And that's, of course, the, the, the point. No, no one can stand. And, and, um, and that's not just an Old Testament um, message. If you try and have your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. And here it deals specifically, who, who can stand? The, the question is asked on, on, on the great day of God's judgment. Revelation chapter 6, verse 15. 
So this, this is, you know, Christ returns, verse 14, the sky vanished like a scroll that is being removed, rolled up. Every uh, mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who was seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For, gr- for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Exactly the same question. On that day, the renowned kings, men who controlled the fates of millions, will collapse in terror. The mighty generals who led the world's greatest armies, Napoleon, Caesar, Augustus, will plead for the rocks to fall upon them. The rich and the powerful, right? The Bill Gates and Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos will find there's, there's no place to hide and they, and, they, and they are desperate to get away from the wrath of the Lamb. That's, that's what the Bible tells us is true. But that day of, of God's judgment is also a day of God's deliverance. Verse 9, when God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth. And so, the, and so the judgment of God, you see, is, is not just to punish the wicked, it's to rescue God's people. And so you can imagine the exhilaration of the, of the uh, people of Judah when just yesterday, they, their life was, um, by all human accounts, over. You, you remember what, uh, what Sennacherib said. He said, listen, if you just um, don't trust Hezekiah, listen to me, I'll give you a nice place to live somewhere else. I'm going to take you away. That's, what it, that's the best he had to offer. And he's probably lying at that. Their life as they knew it was over. And, and now suddenly they are completely delivered. There's no army left at all. Sennacherib himself will be killed a short while later. Well, the exhilaration would just be overwhelming. It, it, would, it would be like V-Day in, um, after World War II when, when finally the, the enemy has been, has been defeated. It, it just multiply that uh, 10,000 times over. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a time of great rejoicing. You can read about that in Revelation 2 if you go to Revelation chapter 11. Because the judgment of God is also a time of great rejoicing. Revelation chapter 11, we'll look at verse 15. Fifteen through eighteen. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, "The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And He shall reign right forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on the thrones that represents the church." They, uh, they sit on their thrones before God. They fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants the prophets and saints and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Those who who delight in God will rejoice on that day as those who destroy the earth and those who mock God are destroyed themselves. And God, by His great power, takes over. And we are rescued we're delivered. That's the story 
of human history. That's how it's going to end. And so what's our proper response now? Verse 11 and 12, make, all, make your vows to the Lord your God and perform them. Let all around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared, who cuts off the spirit of princes, who is to be feared by the kings of the earth. The proper response is awe and obedience and worship. We have this life, friends, to prepare for eternity. We have, we have this day to prepare for that day. Thomas Brooks writes this, an old Puritan, he says, remember, all other preparations are to no purpose if a man is not prepared to die. As death leaves you, so shall judgment find you. As the judgment finds you, so shall eternity keep you. That's a good word. Are we ready to die? Of all the other plans that we make, plans for school, plans for vacations, plans for work, plans for uh, whatever it is, have we made plans for this? Most people don't. Most people just get on with their life and, and go about as if they're not going to die. Have you made plans for that day of judgment? The question of the psalm is, who can stand? And the glorious answer of the gospel, of course, is everyone who has come to faith in Christ Jesus. Everyone who's called on the name of the Lord will stand on that great day. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What an amazing thought that on the day of the judgment that you and I, with the truth of all of our sin against God, all the, the righteous judgment that we deserve, and yet on that day, we can have the confidence that we will, uh, we will not be destroyed, though we deserve to be, but that in Jesus Christ we will be exalted, we will be welcomed into glory. That's the, that's the hope, the confidence of a child of God. First Thessalonians 5, 9, Paul says, God has not destined us for wrath, but, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I was just, kind of just thinking, reflecting on Psalm 73 as we, as we read it again tonight. Um, God, you, you'll guide me. You'll, you'll be my counselor in this life. And afterward, you will take me into glory. That's a wonderful thing to be able to say. Afterward, you will take me into glory. Friend, do you know that to be true? Have you come to Jesus Christ? And do you have that confidence then in him to live uh, in, in your life this week in the, in the absolute conviction that there is one living and true God, no matter what our world might say. And he is a righteous and wonderfully holy God, a God who is, who is uh, too holy to look on evil, a God who will punish all that is wrong, make right all that is wicked and wrong when he comes to judge the living and the dead. And on that day, we will have this experience of utter exhilaration. Jesus Christ reigns. Jesus Christ has conquered. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, what a mighty, beautiful Savior you are, that you would save sinners like us, people who deserve to be destroyed and yet have been loved with an everlasting love because of your choice. And Jesus, we thank you that in your word you reveal the truth about who you are and the Father and the Spirit. 
We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you reign at the right hand of God. All authority and power belong to you, that the kings of this world, they can rage against you. But Lord, even the wrath of men praises you as you sovereignly rule over this world. And Jesus, we know that you're coming again. One day the clouds will be rolled back and you will descend on the clouds of heaven and all the dead will be raised and appear before the great throne of judgment. Now, Lord Jesus, I, I pray that we would live our life day to day with that day in view, that we would be serious about our soul and about eternal things, and Lord, that we would care about our neighbor who is unconverted and un, not ready for that, that great and awful day. And Father, that we would then in prayer and with, with deed and in and, and words reach out to this, this lost and dying world. Not because it's just the right thing to do, but because Christ is coming again. And the judgment day is, is, is close at hand. And Father, I, I pray you'd give us then a concern for this lost world, as Jesus had a concern and gave his life for us. And we'll give you the thanks, and we'll give you the glory. And we pray, Lord, Lord Jesus, that you would make us ready for that day and that that day would come soon. We long to go home. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing Day of Judgment, Day of Wonders, Hark the Trumpet's Awful Sound.
receive the benediction, the blessing of your God. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all till Christ come again. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>